You're listening to the Web4 Marketing Podcast, where business owners, digital marketers, and creatives collide. Um, so without any further ado, I want to just say thank you very much to, um, to both Jason and Kevin for taking the time to come down and talk to us. Um, this is, as I said, this is the secret sauce, in, um, essentially in webs and, and in e-commerce. Um, we're really grateful that you're taking time out of your day. So thank you. And um, by the way, also this is starting a new, um, this is starting a, a new class participation block. Uh, so you know, feel free to ask questions, uh, interact, and um, you know, let's have a good discussion and uh, get a lot out of this. So thank you very much. All right, thank you. Keep it a little quicker. Oh, yes, I should do. Thank you. Right here. Oh, man. So I'm going to talk about transforming user experience. And uh, before I do that, I'm excited to be here. It feels like I'm with family. Went to uh, Clark College and uh, got two degrees from there. So about now, I'm usually six Sobe Energies in and uh, trying to stay awake after a 12-hour day um, at school. So thanks for having me. And we're going to roll through this. I'm going to be a little fast and loose, and uh, there's some crowd participation, so uh, let's do this. First, I'm a multi-talented man-child, really great at video games, um, and a number of other things. So, went to Clark College, love movies, popcorn, love all kinds of music, and I make movies, so I have a YouTube channel. Uh, I know I'm going to sound like one of those people who says, oh, I'm a YouTuber, I got videos up on YouTube, check me out. Uh, but I do, I have dozens of views. Um, I manage business operations at Web4, and I'm interested in design, UX, CRO, lots of different things. Been in the industry about uh, 10 years or so. And I'm not joking about making movies. That's one of my first wrote to the end, Lord of the Rings fan film, and I'm really serious about that. That's me. <laughs> so, yeah. Some of you are probably doing this right now, like, oh, God. <laughs> so we're going to get serious. First, before we do, how many of you know what CRO stands for? Just raise your hands. Anybody? Okay, go. <laughs> Great. So UX and CRO go hand in hand together. Users are all the people who come to your site, right? It's someone who comes in and is interacting with your content, your material. Uh, the experience, you know, what kind of experience are they having on the site, right? Is it easy for them? Can I flow through different areas, uh, product sections, maybe at a store and uh, a series of categories? Can I filter by price? Can I do some of these things that are pretty standard of high-end e-commerce sites? Conversion. Someone's on your site and they purchase. It's conversion. They fill out a contact form. It's conversion. They call you. These are all forms of conversions. Uh, conversion can also be live chat, you know, getting people filtered in and started into the funnel. Oh, hey, you want to you know, talk to a person right now? Just put in your email address. Okay, great. Well, now they have your email address, and they're going to start reaching out to you on a regular basis because they know you use live chat and you're interested in their product. Great. So how often are these people are, are converting? You have a certain number of sessions or users coming to your site. At what rate are they converting? And um, the optimization of that. So if your rate of conversion is low and uh, your user experience is poor, you're probably going to look at methods of 
optimizing your site. Because at the end of the day, Chow is alluding to it, that you can have 10,000 visitors. You can have 15.8 million visitors on a site, but if nobody converts, or very little of those users convert, you're a failure. Uh, you're, you're failing because you're trying to sell, you're trying to get your product out there, you're trying to convert users. So we're going to get into some crowd participation, and I'm going to see or ask you for a show of hands, and just take a look at this. Just for a second here. How many of you up here on the screen feel the gray box is drawing your eye? You can only see the gray box. You feel like that's the object that your eyes are focused on. Whew. That's chilly. Nobody. All right. How about red? How about the red box? Okay, good. Let's try this one. I'm going to set in here so you can see the end of this. How many of you feel that the red box is drawing your eye? Raise your hands. Okay, interesting. How about this gray box? Okay, split, like I, like I thought. Well, why is that? Because some of you feel that the red box here, well, it's drawing your eye, that's what you can see, that's the color you can see. But I bet, for some of you, you're looking at, well, this is a big box, right? This is big. It's gray, but it's big. And so you're, you're kind of conflicted there when you look at it. And the, the point I'm making with just these first two examples is that users are different. And so it's always really challenging on the UX side and the CRO side to develop a site that uh, really supports that user's needs. I'll tell you this one. Kind of hard to see on the screen here, but uh, we've got a couple boxes here. This one is actually kind of a peachy color. You can't really see it too well. But how many of you still think the red box is drawing your eyes? Okay. Crushed it. All right. So same size, different colors, right? Uh, but the red box is still drawing your eyes. And I'm, I'm getting to a point here uh, eventually, I promise. But what do you see here? Some garbage text, right? But I bet that your eyes are drawn to that red box. And believe it or not, I am actually working with uh, a really talented group of ladies uh, out of uh, the New England area on a really huge project. And they're convinced that all of their content pages should tell a story. And so we have text and text and text and text. But something to keep in mind, text is important for search. You need it for Google. But at the same time, most of your readers or site users aren't going to read through every single word you have. I mean, how often are you going to a site and you just hit a service page and like, okay, i read every word that's here? Scroll. Scroll. No. We're looking at headlines. Can they fix my train? Can they fix my car? Can they replace my brakes? And so on and so forth. Hmm. What happens here? Same with that, right? It's not red, it's blue. But it's still drawing your eyes. And you know, I put some lame call to action there for free transformer swag. But that's my call to action button. And this is where this is going. Not everything has to be red or orange or some fiery color to draw uh, the user's attention. <laughs> and that's a that's a, a kind of a myth that's out there. Now you could we could argue color theory and some of those things. 
red drives action and all these things. I've managed hundreds of sites over my career. I've worked with Crock-Pot, I've worked with Tony Robbins, I've worked with a number of large organizations, and it's not about having everything red, right? Going back, again, this is blue. If this is my service page, that user, if they're interested in it, they're going to pick up. Regardless if it's uh, red or blue, they're going to pick on that because that's my call to action. It's pretty clear. So uh, using lines as well, uh, space, all those different things help draw attention to calls to action. And I'm a man of many details, so I'm going to get into an actual case study. And this is... Uh, Maybe I'm violating some rules here, but I'm sharing a client that we work with, VIP uh, Tickets. This is an e-commerce site, ticket broker, and they sell thousands of tickets for all kinds of events with a huge focus on LA and Vegas. Well, you're a ticket broker. What do you want to do? You want to sell more tickets, right? Sell the tickets. Jason, I just need you to sell the tickets. Please sell more Lakers tickets. That's what we want to focus on. So for them, that's a problem. For us, it's a problem, right? Problem or challenge. Need more conversions. So the solution, well, how do you approach this? Uh, you define who you're targeting, right? You need to understand your audience. And that's, that's something I can get into deeper, but um, just as a side note, maybe do some research on user personas, uh, if you're not aware of what that is already. But going through a process of Understanding of users. And is it, you know, Jane Doe who has uh, two kids that are 10 years old and she's looking for tickets to Wicked? Defining your user, right? Testing. So, this is something that's really huge for CRO. Uh, people are generally under the impression that you can just set it and forget it, right? Probably most people in the room uh, might think that, oh, well, every two years, redo your site. For every three years, it's just time. You just redo it. That's changing. And it's changing because uh, technology has improved dramatically. For uh, the millions of people who use WordPress, the open uh, source CMS platform, most of those themes, most of those templates these days are responsive. Right? They're friendly for mobile devices. If you're optimizing for CRO, you're tweaking. You're making changes over a period of time. So testing website against users and implementing keys. So moving on to this case study, we asked a bucket of users, do you know what this site is about? And users knew what the site was about. Um, we thought they were going to be totally clueless just because of the colors and some of these things, object sizes, all that. Then we asked, what did you see first? Well, the user said they saw the background video and the Vegas scene. Nobody mentioned the search box, so I want to come back over here. That picture up there behind the logo is a video. And here's what we discovered is everyone looks at that and goes, oh, it's about Vegas. There's a video. I see Trump Towers in there. We got Ross. There's all kinds of things. Okay, great. Great, that's not uh, because the search box should be the hero, right? You want to go see uh, John Mayer. You want to go see Taylor Swift. You want to go see um, Justin Bieber. 
put that information, or at least we would think you'd put that information in that box, right? And, and get that result. So uh, let's get back here. Nobody mentioned the search box. Maybe one person out of all the users. So all right. Then we asked, can you trust this website? Users were split. Yeah. Some said, yeah, we can trust the website, or uh, not so sure I can trust the website. Okay. All right. So, solution. Brand new design, right? Brand new design. Wrong. We designed this, and not the prettiest of background uh, pictures. Yeah, it's testing, right? We're making the search box the hero. And what we did is a head-to-head -head test. I forget the actual name, but we took both designs head-to-head. -head. People get the current side over this, like, 95%. Um, so that, that was heartbreaking. We missed the mark, right? Um, so, okay, all right, we failed, that's fine. Uh, that, I mean, that's part of experimentation and testing, right? You're gonna fail sometimes. But uh, it's important that you get the feedback. But this version destroyed the current version for several reasons. Final composition took 85% of the vote. Well, why is that? I mean, look at this, it's totally different, right? Uh, a lot different than this, way different. So what we could gather, and, and Chow was a part of this uh, case study as we worked through this, well, it targets high traffic categories. So sports, concerts, theater, other, those first three categories are some of the most often visited on their site. So we're pushing that. Uh, we're also pushing um, the search box. You know, search box is the hero now. The feedback that we got on this was that users can see the search box, this is about tickets, and more importantly than all of this, really, to create a better feeling, and a little bit better structure and focus. This design is the entire homepage that we generated. We could elongate it, make it bigger for search purposes, content, things like that, but if the user went there right now in this uh, fantastical future, they would see this. You know, you see that on all your screens. And that just makes it easier for a user. Um, it was not so local focused. Because when you arrive, if I live in New York and I came across VIP tickets, I saw the homepage, it's like, LA, here's this Vegas video. Uh, it's not for me. Out of area, on site, leave. So it's really important to understand your users. All right, everyone still, still good? We're good, all right, awesome. Other goodies. So I'm gonna tear a few sites apart Gently, hopefully. Pacific Foods. What is wrong with this? Like I, yeah, you can't read it. Now, let's assume they had uh, some kind of feature that's like Amazon, right? Subscribe and save. Get all the broth you want. Um, you would have no idea if that's what that said, because you can't even read it. Uh, and if you go to their site now, you'll see that they got these icons here. <coughs> or something? I don't even know what's going on. So they're trying to sell stuff. I'm already irritated. They got <coughs> some old school social stuff right here. Yeah, hard, hard to see. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be gentle. 
So all I'm really looking at here, to go back to our color uh, examples, is really understanding where your eyes are going and really understanding your users. When I look at this, and it's a little fuzzy up here, but you got that red bar, right? And you got that red apply now, and you got red. So it's very clear that who put this together is using a kind of a highlight color to draw your eyes around the site. However, what happens is you're kind of battling here visually between those two items. And also, are those the places that are really important? You know, are those the ones that you really want users to see? Should apply now, say, enroll now? Like, what am I applying to? Apply now. Like, applying to a job? Now, you're on a state university site, or Washington State University site, so it's safe to assume you're applying to the school. But the language can make a big impact. Simply changing enroll now, and maybe there's a case study for WSU that says, we had enroll now one time, it wasn't converting, so we changed apply now, and now everything's red, and now everything works great. But if the conversion rate is low, or lower than they would like, maybe that should say enroll now, so, and test. So I was actually on the committee responsible for the marketing of it, and, uh, and actually, um, one of something like 90% of the traffic that we are trying to convert are high school students who are considering where they want to apply. So that's why it's up there. And there you go. Uh, and yeah. And then the other, the, the red bar at the top, that's where all of us click on. When we go to that site, that's where we all. Yep. Click. And that's what I figured. And and that's your team understanding yeah. your audience too. Yeah. Who are we targeting? And that's why it's so critical. If we think back on the VIP tickets example, if we're wanting to target just everybody in Vegas, great. That whole site should be nothing but the biggest images and background photos and uh, text and all those things. What is even happening here? What is this? Like, this is party. This is big outside. Um, I'm going to destroy this one. But I'm big owls. What do I want to do? I'm a big provider of entertainment and booking uh, parties and things like that. What do I want to do? Well, I want to do deals with you. Nobody cares. Book a party. If they come to your site, they're probably getting location data, hours, kinds of things that uh, you can do there, and potentially booking a party. There's so many issues here, though. Big Al's logo twice. Open March 16th. I'm pretty sure this is 100 and, what is this? 164th location, maybe. Kind of looks like that. But it doesn't say 2017. 2016, this could be really outdated, I have no idea. And if this is ilovebingals.com already, then why are you telling me that again? It doesn't make any sense. So these are some examples of clients I've worked on, uh, just to give you an idea. Now, by no means am I suggesting that these are beautiful websites. Something to keep in mind for CRO is that it can be the ugliest site on the planet. But as long as it's converting, doing good. So you want to convert those users. So here you got this kind of brown, reddish kind of color with the phone number and the request free estimate. That's intentional, right? Call us, request estimate. This used to say learn more. Please don't put learn more on your websites. Please don't put learn more on your header. It tells the user nothing. This space 
is going to be seen 100% of the time if people are arriving on your homepage. So make sure that these headlines and these subheadlines and this button stands out and leads to the call to action that you want people to take. Here's Broadway Furniture. Um, actually, to go back, this increased their conversions by 10% just as a little button change or color change. Broadway Furniture increased their conversions by 15 to 20% by adding request details and phone number. Because you can't actually buy most of their products on their site. And what good is it to send you a user to a page that has no action? Oh, great, I love this. What is this? New classic galaxy leather living, living room set? Okay, great. But there was nothing there. So it's wrong. Okay, look at some pictures. Okay, I can't, can't do anything. People will leave the site because I couldn't take an action. Here's another e commerce site where. Uh, this is the alpaca group where we added a uh, sale graphic in the sidebar. And that increased their e-commerce conversion rate because they had a good sale going on and um, drove more people to take action. So takeaways. It doesn't have to be red, right? It doesn't have to be orange. That fire engine red, you don't, you don't need it. Uh, if it is part of a brand, Coca-Cola, you know, red's part of their brand. Maybe that makes sense. Uh, don't hide the calls to action. So foods can't be anything in there. It's hot real estate. It's being wasted. Sometimes simple is better, which is totally true. You saw that movie, Company One. It's not a highly complex site. It converts very, very well. And as Chow said earlier, it's just testing, testing, and testing. So, something that I picked up from, I think it was Teresa Brown from the Engage conference uh, just a couple weeks ago in her CRO presentation. She said, if you're making changes to your site, don't be worried about making a change and then waiting six months to see how it works. No, make a change, monitor, watch it over the next week or two weeks. Is it performing better or worse? If it's worse, maybe you should switch it back, right? It's performing better, okay, you're on to something. Maybe now you go and tweak another element of your uh, conversion process. Some CRO tools, Crazy Egg for heat maps. It is paid, I'm not sure if they have a free version, no free version. Mouse flow, free. Uh, there's a free version for that for User testing, you can implement that code on your site. It will track up to 100 users, and it will actually record their screen activity and save the recording in the dashboard. So you can see how users are scrolling through or not on your site. Um, you can also see if they encounter errors. We talked about VIP tickets, reference tests. That's what I was trying to remember earlier. Uh, usability Hub is great for that. It is a, a paid tool. Uh, it, it's, it's fairly inexpensive. It's based on the number of users you want to test. Google Analytics, if you're not familiar, you should be. It's free. Sign up, add the code to your site, start tracking uh, all your site visits. And if you want more, feel free to tweet me at the right Jason. That's it. Thank you.
talk to somebody if I can just fill out a form, get a response via email, it's great. So that, that's part of what increased conversion. Uh, there's another aspect that we added to the site, which was uh, a sidebar contact form for residential, or for local moving and long distance moving. That also increased conversions as well, because you catch the users where they are and have them convert uh, where they're most comfortable to convert. Time for questions? We go through. I guess you want to come up, Chow? Sure. Yeah, that's right. All right. Questions? SEO questions? CRO questions? Those are the about CRO. It looks like it has a lot of similarities with a, with a value proposition. Can you, can you tell us more about how, uh, how CRO creates a good value proposition for, for a company? Hmm. How CRO creates a good value proposition for a company, you mean in terms of providing the service? Uh, or no, I mean just, just the design, how it, how it gives out that good, uh, that strong value proposition for, for a company and their products. Does, yeah. that, does that make sense? Yeah, um, there's a few things with that because uh, when you're establishing your site, you have to understand your users and you're creating calls to action around the users. So while, you know, behind the tickets, might sell all kinds of tickets to uh, all kinds of users for all kinds, hundreds of different events. Uh, they really want to sell the sports tickets. And so they're going to emphasize that more on the site. They're going to have more calls to action related to, um, to that. And their site's going to be more optimized around those topics, too. And that's search ties into that a little bit. I don't know if I'm answering the question or if I have a better answer. I, I think if you're looking for specific feedback for the design of the site and the products, you're really going to want to use Usability Hub. You're able to ask questions and have users look at what you're trying to get them to do and give you an actual response. You can then also do split tests to see which ones are going to prefer better, if they still do understand what the site's about. That's where these different tools will come in. My question is actually for you. It's uh, regarding the content is king, and how you want um, how they give you just kind of the, the generic information from manufacturers. Is there you, is there such a way where you can alter it to make it unique, but not too much, where the manufacturer feels that you're no longer uh, like uh, displaying the product properly, or could you get in trouble for if you went too far into the so usually manufacturers aren't looking at your site. They're going to give you all this information because it's going to help you sell. They only want you to sell because they make money when you sell. So yes, you can make it unique. You do want to keep the core values there, 
that they're trying to promote and or like specifications of its size, weight, uh, dimensions, whatever those are, those you want to keep it the same. But you have a brand and voice for your own company, you want that to relay in your content. So if you're trying to promote local, you want to have that kind of vibe and feel in your content. If you're specifically like a sports nerd and then you want to have that kind of lingo in it. So you're trying to also promote your brand and voice through that content as well. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that would hurt me. You mentioned uh, in your presentation that uh, Hurley moved up to a certain rank in your page. Um, what does that mean? Is that the rank on Google? Yeah, so position. So they went from page 12, which is 120 something position, up to position 8, which is the, near the bottom of page 1. So do you take into account other search engines also? Yes, um, but we also look at the core uh, where the people are coming from, right? So based on their Google Analytics, 95% of their traffic is Google. So we kind of, we don't completely ignore the other search engines, but we put most of our focus on what Google's core values are, and we try to optimize around that. Is there a main difference between optimizing for Google versus optimizing for, say, Yahoo? Uh, for those two, yes. Um, and we're not unsure what's going to happen with Yahoo moving forward since they got bought out. Um, even with being them. Uh, so old techniques back in, 2004, where you could spam your images. Not telling you to do this, but right now with Bing, if I want top ranking, that's what I'll do, because that's so part of their algorithm. But if you do that, your rankings in Google are gonna tank. So you have to find the happy medium between all the search engines, and where's your core focus on what different platforms allow you to do. Yeah, when you first got started, how did you bring in your clients? Start primarily locally, or so me for SEO. Yeah. So I started with agencies. Well, first I started in-house because I was a web designer, mm -hmm. and then I transitioned to in-house SEO. From there, I wanted to grow and work with people that are in that industry, and so I went to an SEO agency. And from there, I've always done SEO agencies, or I've always helped out um, big corporations or small mom and pop shops. Um, that's how I've done it. I do uh, consulting on the side. And it's really the word of mouth is where I get most of it. Um, I used to have a whole bunch of test sites. I had probably like 45 te different test sites up. And then I have one just for myself um, for my business. And then I should pretty much took them all down. And I don't use my test sites. Over here. So, what Research, uh, knowing that you want to have the right terms, um, I'd say contents can be the best strength in the beginning because Google needs to crawl your site and know what your page is about. You can rank even without links, but it, it's a lot easier to have things going to your site. So I think content is probably the most valuable that you want to start with. Yeah, I'll, I'll add a, a little footnote to that, which is depends on the size of your site, right? If tomorrow I started a dental practice and I had four pages on my site, well, I'm going to need more content. I can optimize that title tag 60,000 times if I want to, but it's only going to take you so far. You're going to need a, a site that has a rich amount of content that people are actually reading, consuming, and sharing. If you have a site that has 
10,000, 20, 50, 100,000 pages while attacking the technical SEO side of things, duplicate content issues, titles, meta, alt tags, that's where your focus is going to be. challenges. There's, there's a few um, without boring it to death. Uh, a couple of them would be client bio. So you might have, let's say you're working in an agency, you're working with a client. A lot of these CRO changes that I'm making have to get approved. So there's a little bit of salesmanship that goes with it because you need to come in there with data and analytics and say, well, based on your uh, 0.25 conversion rate, it's extremely low. I feel we can get it to at least 1% by making these sets of changes. That's one thing. And the other major thing I would say is just the te technical limitations of whatever software platform you're being used. So if you're using Joomla, if you're using Shopify, if you're using, you know, it just, it depends on some of those limitations because Shopify may not let you move a little box to the right and have it be a certain shape, size, that kind of thing. So we run into that quite often. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I was going to say, basically, the sell to the client is probably the hardest part. If, especially if they have a very specific brand and build to their site and they don't want to change that at all, that can become very difficult, um, especially when we know what the public is wanting versus what they're trying to portray on the site. So it's kind of being able to sell that and let them know this is actually what will work. So, do you guys work on multiple projects at one time, or do you guys do single projects as you go so that you're not confusing numbers back and forth between projects? Do you want to Both. Uh, so, start a project, start, start to finish. So, not saying we're going to design an entire website, and then we'll go to the next client because that might take 90 days, might take a half a year. So, we have phases. And we have specific tasks. And as you finish a task, you can go to a different task. So you can work on multiple clients based on tasks that you're working on. But we have time frames that we have to complete things by, so we have a very strict schedule. And um, on average, like how long or how long can you maintain a ranking um, on Google? Because obviously, like, have people come in and you know pay for AdWords and boost their ranking. So you're talking about organic or paid? Hey, you can hold the number one spot if you want. Okay. You, you need a budget. Um, in Google, there's an option to say, always number one. But <laughs> is that smart? Um, the big clients I work with, they do it all the time. But they're willing to spend $10,000 a click. Jeez. That's crazy. If everybody clicks number one, who gets number one? If they're in a similar like, industry with like similar key, like how, based how does Google on, determine who like, does they just have a bid off at that point? Like, it's based on, so behind the scenes, it's you have a daily spend and you have a total spend. And then you have a cost per click. So those three put together based on always saying number one. If you're saying, I have a million dollars to spend today, and a competitor two says, I have 500,000 to spend today, guess who's going to have position one? A million dollars. Yep. So it, it comes down to money if that many people are saying position one, um, unfortunately. Yeah, I'll add just a, a quick uh, footnote. Again, 
Uh, I have I have some, and obviously we both have contacts inside the industry who work with a wide range of clients, and um, you know there, there's there's clients who spend as little as three hundred dollars, and there's Facebook who spends at least twenty five thousand a month on Google ads, even though they're not so hot about Google. That's where the traffic is, and they know that, so they throw dollars at Google to get that placement. I saw a hand somewhere. There. So a lot of it is, if you're, let's say, in an agency world, you're discussing that exact aspect with the client, saying, our recommendation as experts is saying, this is how much content we need. Then the client is going, again, kind of selling them on that information. If they want to get to where they want to be, we need to do this. Um, two, sometimes they're like, yeah, we're on board. Just do whatever it takes. There's other ones saying, well, no, I can't have that much content. Here's a workaround. How about we have 100 words or 75 words here, and the rest of it's all down here below the fold, but still on the page where it's still readable. That works. So it's also working with the client on trying to navigate around, look, fill, everything of the site that they're trying to portray. Does that answer your question? I'll add, I'll add to that say that Chow and I and others sometimes get into very creative arguments about some of these things because there is kind of a standard about how much content you should have on your page, uh, your home page, every page on your site. And then there's the people who are designing. You know, we're like, well, I want this to be really pretty, and I want this graphic to go here, and I just want a wall of graphics. I don't need any text. There's things that you can do there. Uh, there's we're working with several big clients where that's the case. It's like, oh, it's so wordy. What can we do to get rid of the words? I'm like, oh, my God. So we look at it, and we say, okay, there's techniques you can use in JavaScript and other, other things. We use uh, WordPress a lot. We use uh, Jupyter theme for WordPress a lot. And there's things that you can do where you have a snippet of words. We'll say it's 150 words, and you can add uh, a little link that says read more about this. And there can be 300 more words under there. When you click that, it expands down. So we try and reach the balance of uh, text and visuals, we try and maintain some storytelling when we design sites while also meeting those requirements. When you do that technique, the JavaScript drop-down, make sure you show three quarters of that content. Google's gotten a lot more strict on that because we used to say one sentence and then read more, and then it was like 600 words. Um, Google's gotten a little bit more strict on that. They want to show the majority, which is about three quarters of that, um, which is still okay because you can do it multiple times on the site or on that single page. So. You can still make it work with it and your guidelines for design. How about, uh, how about the JavaScript tabs? What's the deal on that? Because that's something else we do where you'll have tabs, and you see it on sites all the time. Every tab, content changes. So instead of having you know, a 5,000 pixel long section of text. So ideally, you want to use CSS for that, not JavaScript. Um, because depending on the JavaScript you're, and how it's coded, some of it's not readable. But the ones that we've been doing, you can read every single tab. So the search engines can go into the source code and say, here's this tab, and here's all this information. Here's this other tab, oh look, it has a video. And then there's some more information. So as long as it's readable in the source code, mm -hmm. Google can read it, they can crawl it, they can index it, and they can start ranking based on those factors. Mm -hmm. Interesting, so they'll crawl the, J, the J, J script as well? 
they can read some of the JScript, but again, if if we're trying to do the tabs and you have it in a JavaScript that doesn't show any of that content that's in those boxes, but yeah. it's all hidden inside the JavaScript, they're not going to read it. Okay. So, uh, on average, how long does someone remain a client with you guys? Whew. I would say the average right now is around three years. Three years, and they leave and do their rankings change once they leave. <laughs> It kind of depends on the next company they go to. Yeah. Usually the SEO we're doing is not gray or black hat, which is against Google guidelines. Um, so usually they kind of hold it for a good amount of time until they're not updating their site with new content for their blog, they're not getting new links, um, social media aspect is down, and engagement. Um, I'm assuming they'll hold it for probably nine months without doing anything, but then we'll start seeing a drop. Um, now if you go to other SEO agencies that I know very well of, once they leave, they take. Uh, so it kind of depends on the agency you come from. What did you call it? Gray? Gray hat and black hat. What? Basically, black hat is going against Google guidelines. So Google says, don't do this. And people are still doing it to get results. Once you get caught, you lose everything. Um, gray hat is kind of like, well, it's kind of saying, we're okay doing this, but it's not fully against the guidelines. So you're in like a little gray area, so you're trying to stay. Um, I wouldn't play if it's your money. I wouldn't play with inside that range. I'd only stay to follow the guidelines, um, just because you wouldn't want to take the repercussions on the other side. I've seen it where someone goes complete black hat, and they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on their sites over 10 years. Google de-index the site. That means you can't be found at all. Even if you type in a company name, nothing. Um, it took eight months to get them back in, and then from there they had to kind of restart from scratch. So the smart thing for them, what they should have done, was just purchase a new site, everything, and start fresh. You know, two things I want to shout out right now because I I I know that these are critical things that tend to happen when someone moves to another agency is they're moving on to rebuild their whole site and get a whole new site. And they release and they leave the robots, disallow everything in the robots file, and they do no redirects. Now, if you're not familiar with what those things are, just uh, Google robots.txt. There's code that's usually in place in a lot of sites in a dev environment where uh, you're disallowing all the search engines from indexing the site. And I see it time and time again where those sites get published to the public, and the client goes, I'm not being found, not in Google, it's because your developer left this tag in. So there's a couple things that can just totally kill everything that you've done. And redirects are, are one of those things where, let's say you have a 100-page site, it doesn't matter how many pages, but you have a 100-page site, and a client left decides to build a new five-page site. Well, first of all, they're destroying a lot of uh, effort that have been put in in the first place. They're bringing their site back down, and then they release without doing redirects. So what ends up happening is Google has all of these indexed, broken pages, and people keep hitting them, keep getting 404s, and that's not good either. We see that a lot when people leave. We're doing uh, the, the project in here where we're new e-commerce and everything, and you guys were talking about the paid advertisement where people pay as little as like $300 upwards of obviously quite a bit. What would you say is a good starting out budget for like a new e-commerce? Are, you, are we talking about Facebook or are we talking about Google AdWords? For either one? So 
with Facebook, you can start with hundred bucks. Uh, with AdWords, kind of depending on what you're trying to sell uh, and the competitiveness, uh, kind of depending on your budget. Um, the lowest I've ever worked on an account was about five hundred dollars, and that was really tough. I was really only able to focus on three products, and that money went very quickly. Um, and that's just to even do a test. That way, you need to really uh, start the buying process is to see, to really define that campaign and really um, get it to where it needs to be. And so that was just right there. Every month, we're spending that money just to get what we need to be. And then we open the gates once we had our in mind. So would you recommend like a like $1,000 starting out just to kind of start testing and everything? Say if we had like 10, 10 products kind of thing? Yeah, um, one thing I would say is run it for a few hours and pause it. And make sure you see what's happening because you want to say, A, how long are they on your site for? Because if they're only on your site for less than five seconds, it's not what they want. So you're A, maybe targeting the wrong keyword. Um, two, maybe you're getting a lot of clicks, but there's no conversion, so maybe you have a conversion issue. So instead of blowing your money away, you want to try to fix those as quickly as you can in your testing phase. Um, just getting some of those quick insights is going to help you really figure out how to navigate the users on your site and how you should then uh, tweak your ads. Um, because maybe you have a lot of impressions on your uh, Google AdWords, but there's no clicks. So you know you have to improve or look at the spend on your keyword, see where they're positioned. And then two, maybe you're always positioned one, two, and three but no one's clicking in and there's a lot of impressions, then you have a click-through rate issue, which means you need to rewrite your entire ad. Because people aren't liking the rate. It's kind of tough because uh, I say this to clients, and I, I hate to say it to clients, but uh, it's really pay to play. You know, and, and you're gonna get as much, well, it's optimized <laughs> properly and set up properly. Uh, the number of sales and things like that increase exponentially if everything is working based on the number of dollars you're putting into it. And something else to think about is, I, I know someone who's selling slime, like they're making kids slime. The cost for, or cost per click for that is probably gonna be pretty low in Vancouver, right, or Vancouver, Florida. Uh, but if you uh, are selling, we'll say, I don't know, nationwide. Yeah, nationwide would be a lot different. Uh, in a different industry, like legal services, get ready to, to have at least two to 4,000 to put down on uh, ads monthly in Vancouver. Um, so, you know, it's, it's an extremely competitive market. Um, just things to think about. Now, is there anyone back here? I saw my hands earlier. No? Yes. Yeah, and this question is for you. Do you have any specific examples of, uh, I know you mentioned changing color and box sizes and whatnot. Do you have any specific examples of changing like the typography, the type of font, and the effect from changing that font for like a website and the conversion rate? Um, I have, I, I think on that note, I have experiences in the past where we've taken a, a dark website with a white font um, that was small in size, and converted that to a white background, dark type, because you traditionally don't want to design dark background sites uh, because it's really hard for an older audience to read and see things like that. I, 
as far as typography and font styles and all that goes, not too many instances of that. Because generally people, again, are, are not reading a whole lot of the content. You know, they're kind of going to jump into the site and uh, looking for those calls to action, trying to get to the stores, <coughs> or something like that. I don't know if you I, I only have one example of that. Um, I was dealing with a boutique store who did uh, flowers, and she did cursive as her text for the buttons. Not, not like the regular text, but just the buttons, like the call to actions. And it was a little bit too narrow. And it was, it was legible, you could read it. She wanted to be fancy, you know, have that nice feel to her site. But that's where we said, hey, this just needs to be clear, simple. Um, I don't, there's a standard blood font that we always use. And we made it a little bit larger, so we increased the font size and the button. Her sales went up. But um, just make sure it's legible. That's, that's the biggest part. Thank you very much. Um, we'll give a round of applause.